As Victorians endure their fifth lockdown in 18 months, there has been a lot of talk about its impact on mental health and well-being. But do we actually know the difference between the two? Professor Nick Haslam from the University of Melbourne says we sometimes mix the two up and this affects how we think about our own mental health. Professor Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Angus. Glad to be here. Can you just quickly touch on some of the differences between mental health and mental well-being? It's an extremely hard distinction. And uh, part of the problem is that I think the official definitions really overlap a lot. And so, you know, back in the old days, people used to talk about mental health only in terms of the absence of mental illness. So if you didn't have depression or schizophrenia or bipolar or some other recognized mental health diagnosis, then you were considered to be mentally healthy. Now that's all changed. And so people now tend to talk about positive mental health as being not just the absence of illness, but also the presence of happiness, thriving, being able to function well, serving your community, uh, having a sense of meaning in life and so on. So really, there's a kind of um, uh, blending or fusion of these ideas um, in academic research, but also I think in the general public. And so the distinction isn't necessarily very clear. Uh, I think what I'd like to say is the distinction ought to be clearer because not all times when you are not feeling um, happy uh, or not feeling your life is, is meaningful or not feeling satisfied with your life, not all of those cases really involve mental health. They just revolve around ordinary or normal uh, negative mood states. Simply having a negative mood state is not the same thing as being mentally unhealthy. Mm. And everyday happiness has definitely been front of mind in the last 18 months for young people. How can thinking of men of mental health and well-being along a continuum or, or distinguishing the differences a little bit more clearly help us with our own mental health at this time? Well, I think you have to always be alert to the possibility that you are actually suffering a severe uh, mental health problem. There's no doubt that the pandemic especially has made a lot of people not just unhappy or frustrated or burnt out or fatigued, but actually um, significantly depressed or anxious uh, and the like. But I think it really helps to keep these concepts apart because sometimes we're inclined to think because we are feeling fatigued or because we're feeling sad or because we're feeling frustrated or because we're feeling lonely, we are having a mental health problem. And that's really the case. Uh, very often your response is an entirely normal uh, sensible, appropriate, rational response to really challenging life circumstances. And I kind of worry that when we get into an environment where we think about any kind of uh, drop in our well-being as being a mental health problem, we tend to catastrophize it. We see it as more severe than it is. We underestimate our capacity to cope with it. Uh, and maybe uh, it contributes to feeling more vulnerable than we need to be. Part of being resilient is not defining uh, ordinary um, threats, ordinary unhappinesses, ordinary life dissatisfactions as being mental health problems. I guess, yeah, what, what are some of the lessons that we both we can take like clinically and then as young people as well from this pandemic and being locked inside for 18 months? Look, I think it's been uh, really awful for young people. I mean, it's not much fun for old ones either, frankly, but, uh, you know, especially if you're in that stage of life when you should be out um, experiencing new things, being with one another, enjoying human contact. You're being denied that, uh, and I've got a, uh, I've got a son in the age group, and, and I just feel for what is being missed out on. I think the lessons, though, is um, you've survived. I mean, at the start of the pandemic, there was an awful lot of predictions by people my age, experts, 
uh, that there was going to be some sort of tsunami of uh, suicide. It actually hasn't happened. Um, there's been no increase whatsoever in rates of suicide. Now, there have been rates in people feeling uh, having suicidal thoughts. There have been increasing uh, rates of people seeking out uh, professional help, which is great. People have been frustrated. People have been fatigued. But generally speaking, the responses haven't been that severe. And I think that's a sign that people, and young people especially, have been incredibly resilient throughout this. Professor Nick Haslam, thanks so much for joining the show today. You're very welcome.